0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of disorderly dogs, the podcast. I am so delighted to have you with me today. So in today's episode, I am going to talk about a listener suggested topic. So shout out to Alessandra who, um, requested an episode so let me tell you um what she wanted to hear about uh working with international hereditary free roaming dog rescues there's a lot of dialogue in the training community about this topic essentially being quite anti this type of rescue but not a lot if anything focused on how you meet this type of dog's needs if this is the route you have gone with the rescue this is there is a huge number of this type of dog where I live. And I think more practical advice would be more useful to folks in this situation. Amazing. This is so good. Okay. So this is something that I think that there's a lot of language around the dogs, wild dogs, free roaming dogs. Um, and I think that <laughs> that's for good reason. So there is a book. Um, it is called, What is a Dog? It is... Um, really, really informative. Um, it was really enlightening for me about what obviously what a dog is, but basically how our perception, especially in the U S about what dogs are is, is basically we, we think domesticated dogs, dog breeds, humans being a huge part of the influence and the gene, the gene pool and the breeding and all of that. But I think that we all forget, well, I shouldn't say we all, I think that in the U S it's easy to forget that, there is actually a really large percentage of the dog population that is actually not domesticated at all. They are not, they don't descend from the dog breeds that we know. They actually are just basically their their own breed, right? Wild dogs, free roaming dogs. And I think that that is an an awesome read. I definitely suggest you all read it because I think it will be really, really enlightening. But I love this topic so much, so I want to kind of dive into it. So I do want to, um, I do want to just give a le- little caveat that this is just my personal experience with working, um, working with dogs who um, are are rescued. Typically, they are imported from internationally. So um, I've worked with dogs who came from Iran. I've worked with dogs who came from Afghanistan. I worked with dogs who were imported from Thailand. I worked with dogs who were imported from Japan. So these dogs that are typically imported, they typically do not have a very big percentage of the domesticated gene pool that we know. And that can present a lot of challenges. So I think that the ethical debate about importing these dogs I think it's wise to have that conversation, but Alessandra, I really love that you bring this up because I think it's a really good point, right? Because we can talk all day and all night about our personal ethics and what we think is actually going to work here. But that that negates the fact that a lot of these dogs are already here and a lot of people are already living with them. So like, okay, cool. You think we shouldn't do it? Well, I already did. The dog is here. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure that um, I, I have an opinion one way or the other um, just because I don't have to have an opinion about everything, do I, you guys? I, I really don't have to have an opinion about everything. So my, my intent with this podcast episode today is really just to to give you beautiful people who are listening who maybe... I've already rescued a dog <laughs> who falls under this category. And I, I want to just tell you a little bit more about what I observe and what um, I've empowered my clients to do with their dogs to get a little bit more success. So when it comes to dogs who basically were wild or free-roaming, It's going to be a major culture shock for that dog to come and live with you, especially if you're in a city in an apartment living situation. So it's not that your home can't be a good home for them, but your home is very far from what they know and what they're comfortable in. So it's very likely that the adjustment period is going to take a lot longer. It's going to take a lot longer for your dog to be comfortable doing normal things that a domesticated dog who had early socialization probably could really easily do. So for those of you who maybe are considering rescuing a dog who is imported, they're coming from another country, it's likely that they were free roaming before, you need to adjust your expectations right from the get. Because this is not like a a well-mannered golden retriever who's just going to do everything you want them to do and blend in really easily to your life. This is a dog who you are going to have to share, show a lot of compassion and patience with. And that's just part of it. Okay. That's just part of it. And you know what? I have worked with some kick, ass dog guardians who, you know what, they stepped up for these dogs that they brought into their lives. And I have a ton of respect for people who do that. But if you're considering it and you haven't rescued a dog yet, please just adjust your expectations. So one of the major themes that I see in these dogs who are imported and they are coming from presumably free roaming populations of dogs. One of those things is a very high prey drive, very high. They are skilled at catching and killing animals and it is a big focus for them when they are somewhere where there are animals. I typically um, see it with small animals, so squirrels, rabbits, cats, um, that's something that is not gonna go away. Okay, that's hardwired. That's who they are. So you are gonna be much better served to use appropriate outlets for that prey drive instead of feeling like you need to get rid of it because you're not going to. That's impossible. You're not gonna be able to get rid of the prey drive. You're just gonna have to work with it. So I worked with a lovely, a lovely dog who was imported from Taiwan. And he had a very high squirrel prey drive and they were living in a city setting. They were living in Denver, and this dog was like lunging towards every squirrel, and it was getting a little overwhelming for the dog guardian. So what we worked on is the premack principle. If you haven't listened to the "Eat Your Vegetables" of dog training episode of Disorderly Dogs, listen to that because I go into a lot more depth and detail about that. But essentially, what we did is we worked on getting the dog to respond to the handler, and then she would run to the tree, and the dog could fulfill at least a little bit of the prey drive sequence. And we. lots and lots of repetition of that, and that worked really, really well for that team. So if you have a dog who is imported they are presumably a, a wild or free-roaming dog whatever you want to call them the prey drive's going nowhere you are much better served to work with it instead of against it but that is something that I have seen in almost all of the dogs that I have worked with in my career who were imported and they came from a free-roaming population is that the prey drive is very high it is not impossible for these dogs to safely live with cats, but that is going to take a lot more time and energy. And I will be honest, if you're considering adopting a dog and you have a cat, I, I'm i not sure it's fair to your cat to bring in like a, a free roaming dog into your house because Again, nothing is impossible. Okay. I don't want to say that that it's impossible. I'm just I'm speaking in probabilities here. So if you have a cat who maybe is already afraid of dogs, you may be better served getting a, a dog who probably came from a domestic domesticated population and is probably gonna have an easier time coexisting with a cat. So yeah, prey drive is something that I see very consistently. It is very strong. Um, it is very consistent. So that's something that you're just going to have to work with, not against. I've also found that the flirt pole, if you guys don't know what a flirt pole is, it's basically like an oversized cat toy. It's like a toy on a string. Um, I found that that can be a really lovely outlet for prey drive for some of these free roaming dogs. So that's another option for troubleshooting the prey drive. But yeah, it's prey drive is definitely something I see consistently with um, some of the imported free roaming dogs. Something else that I have um, witnessed in my in my clients' dogs is that um, almost all of the dogs that came from international and they were free-roaming, they were actually really quite good with dogs, <laughs> right? They spoke dog really well because they were living in a free-roaming population. So of course they speak dog really well. Um, so that's something that I think that you can leverage because typically these dogs do have amazing social skills because that's their norm. They've been living with lots of other dogs. So typically they're pretty successful with other dogs, but I I have observed a little bit higher prevalence of resource guarding and resource guarding is pretty natural. I know you all have heard me talk about resource guarding on the podcast before, but um, I find that the free roaming dogs are a little bit quicker to be like, you can't fucking have that. That's mine. And I don't think that that's bad. But I think that that's something you just got to prep yourself for and get a little bit more comfortable with, that they're likely to be a little bit more assertive in their communication about what is theirs just because of their experience and genetic predisposition to being around dogs and having to be a little bit more clear about what is theirs. But in my experience, these dogs are typically very dog social, but oftentimes leash reactivity comes up because they have a lot of these dogs don't have much experience at all being on a leash and then they're not able to interact with dogs in a way that they normally would, right? Because if they're free roaming, there's no leash. They can just interact with dogs or not interact with dogs. And the leash really, it, it becomes a huge hindrance to the dog's ability to do what they know how to do. Cause now all of a sudden there's this human attached and you know, us humans, we're doing foolish things like choking up on the leash and telling them to leave it and things like that. So Um, leash reactivity is definitely something that I see come up. And it's not because they're not good with dogs. It's because they are not skilled or savvy at interacting with dogs with a leash involved. So that is something that you are going to have to be patient with and work on. Um, the reactivity free mini course has a lot of really great tips that you can implement right away. And I have found by, um, you know, just creating a little bit of space, doing some look at that games, usually the leash reactivity is pretty easily resolved. Um, But obviously every dog (laughs) is an individual, but in my experience with some of the free roaming dogs that struggled with leash reactivity, it, it usually was pretty quickly resolved by just doing a few management and reactivity training strategies. But These dogs need more opportunities to be around dogs because that's what they're good at. That's their norm. So it's really important that if you are importing a dog, if you already have an imported dog, that we're finding safe outlets for these dogs to Um, have dog friends, be social. That does not mean the dog park (laughs) by any means, but that does mean that you are going to have to work a little bit harder on your dog's social circle because they're probably going to be the most comfortable with other dogs because they're their own species and that's what they know and that's what they're savvy at. So something else that I have witnessed a lot in my experience with um, imported free-roaming dogs is that they are typically pretty uncomfortable inside, (laughs) just because presumably they were living outside. They were free roaming. They could go where they wanted. They weren't sleeping inside. And that can be really challenging for a lot of these dogs, right? They're like, I've never heard a coffee grinder. I've never heard a dishwasher. So it's, it's one of those things that weirdly they're actually more comfortable. Well, it's not weird, but it feels weird from our perception that they're more comfortable outside chasing prey and interacting with dogs than they are inside. It's very normal. It's pretty typical. And that's one that just is going to take a lot of time and patience, um, if you have the luxury of having an outdoor space that your dog can be in safely, I think that the the imported free roaming dogs need more outside time more than the average dog does. They really need appropriate, and safe places just to be a dog and be outside and soak up the sunshine and sunbathe and do those types of things so i've worked with a lot of dogs that are just so scared inside they're just they really struggle with being inside which means that you are going to have to one be really patient and two try and create a safe place for them to be outside so they can do something that's that's more their norm Okay. Um, but yeah, discomfort inside is a very common thing. That's something that I see a lot. And what I want you to do is just adjust your expectations, right? Uh, I remember, (laughs) um, another dog. He also came from Taiwan. He was so uncomfortable inside. we try to do a training session. Oh my God. And he would just like shut down. He was like, this is too scary. I can't do it. But you know what? As soon as we took him out, le- outside, he was like, oh yeah, okay. You have cookies. I, I would love to work for those cookies. So you, ha- a lot of it is just creative solutions. Just acknowledging that if the dog is uncomfortable inside, that's not the place to work on training. <laughs> that's the place to work on them just feeling comfortable. And that's something that may not be a Alleviated over time. <laughs> that's something that may be forever, and I think that that's you know where some of the ethical debate comes in. Again, I don't really want to go in into that today, um, but yeah, being uncomfortable inside is definitely something that I see as a common theme, and you know, just overall, just generalized fear. Is something I see a lot. These dogs just did not have the luxury of domestication or early socialization to these city environments that we bring them into. And oftentimes they're shutting down or they're going into flight mode. And that is when I have empowered my clients to seek the help of um, behavior modification just to ease the stress. Okay. And, you know, it's one of those things that, like, if You import a dog from another country, and presumably it was a free-roaming dog. It came from a free-roaming population. We have completely shook their world. They probably had to come on a long, scary plane ride here. Then they showed up in a city with noises and things that they had never seen before. And sometimes the kindest thing we can do for these dogs is give them a little bit of of chemical support so that they can cope with what's going on a little bit more. Not all of the dogs that I've worked with that were imported and free roaming needed medication, but several of them really greatly benefited from it. Okay. So everyone, I think that there's a reason that there's a free roaming dog population and there's a reason that we have a domesticated dog population And nothing is impossible. We can adjust, we can adapt, we can do the best we can for the dogs in our care. But in my experience, the free-roaming population of dogs, when they get brought to the US or Canada, I know that there's a lot of that going on there too, it just comes with hurdles and things we have to work on. And some of these dogs actually, they do, they live really fulfilled lives, but the guardians have to adjust their expectations and realize that this is a dog who isn't going to be able to do everything that maybe they wanted okay so i think that if you already have a dog who was imported from presumably a free a free roaming dog population i'm sure that you probably are are really resonated with this episode right like oh yes i feel this so much and i just i want to give you a shout out because i know it's not an easy adjustment but you did it you have the dog do the best that you possibly can um i'm not sure that i would necessarily suggest adopting a dog that was free roaming But again, y'all, I don't know everything, okay? And I don't think that anything is impossible. So you do you, but above all else, if you import a dog and you choose to use... Pain in the name of training, that's when I I think it becomes unethical. But my guess is that none of you do that because you're here and you're listening to me today. So, um, a lot of these dogs are going to come with high prey drive. A lot of these dogs are going to come with built in social skills. A lot of these dogs are probably going to be uncomfortable inside. And a lot of these dogs are going to have a lot of fears to things that may never be alleviated. And we might have to support them with medication. But Um, There's a lot to be gained by connecting with a dog who came from a free-roaming dog population. I guarantee you they will teach you a lot. Um, so I hope that this episode was helpful. Alessandra, thank you so much for the topic suggestion. I really appreciate it. For those of you listening, maybe you have a really good podcast topic suggestion. We have a form for that on the website, disorderlydogs.com. You can fill that out. And if I do an episode that you suggested, I will be sure to give you a shout out. Everyone, we have so many amazing free courses for you. You can check those out on the website. We have paid courses and we have one-on-one training. So if you are struggling with your dog's behavior, please struggle no longer. Reach out. We would be happy to support you. Uh, Spicy is doing great. She is... She is such a wonderful little puppy, and I don't want to jinx it, but she's really been pretty easy. Waylon has been the best big brother ever, and we're really just leading into this new life with Spicy. It's really amazing. If you don't already follow us on Instagram, at a good feeling underscore NCO, I have been posting all of the cuteness overload videos of Waylon and Spicy over there. So, everyone, have a beautiful weekend. Smooch those puppies for me, and I am already looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at goodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.